Uh, we're continuing our series uh, during Advent that we're calling Dwell, God with us. And of course, that's what uh, the name was given to Jesus. According to prophecy, you will call his name Emmanuel, Matthew one twenty three says, which translated means God with us. Now, we learned a couple weeks ago that the same promise of God can be traced all the way through Scripture. And the promise that is repeated again and again and again is this. God says, I will make my dwelling among you. I will also walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. Now, this is incredible. This is the heart of God. Listen, folks, this is why God created in the first place. God longs to dwell with his people. God created him, Adam and Eve, put him in the garden. And what did he do? He dwelled with them. And then even after they fell, God repeats this promise. And all of history is running toward the climax of a new garden, a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, and a new earth. And in that place, God is going to finally fulfill the longing of his own heart. Where God will dwell with us, we will be his people, and he will be our God forever and ever. Through this series, we're learning how God has dwelt with us in the past, how he's dwelling with us in the present, and how he will continue to dwell with us forever in Christ. And it reminds us, of course, of the three spirits in Charles Dick, uh, Dickens' A Christmas Carol where Ebenezer Scrooge, this cold-hearted, miserly loner of a man who loves money and hates Christmas, and all he says is humbug, and he has no time for anyone or to show generosity or kindness to anyone, and his business partner dies and seven years later appears as a ghost to Ebenezer and says, do not end up like me. And his business partner is, is chained with shackles for all of eternity. And his business partner says, you'll be visited by three spirits. The spirit of Christmas past, the spirit of Christmas present, and the spirit of Christmas yet to come. Two weeks ago, we looked at John 1 and considered this thread, this theme. We traced this promise of God that he will dwell among us, that he will be our God. We will be his people, and he will walk among us. And we saw how it's been true all through the past of the Old Testament church, and of course how it was true in the past at the incarnation. This morning we're going to see the spirit of Christmas present. Now when the spirit of Christmas present appears to Scrooge just after the appearance of uh, the spirit of Christmas past, the spirit of Christmas present is a tall, bearded, jolly fellow. He doesn't say ho, 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 but he's chuckling all the time. He's filled with joy, and he loves to see people enjoying one another in community. He's dressed in an evergreen robe. He has a wreath of holly around his head, and he holds this mysterious torch that sparkles as it burns. 
And the Spirit proceeds to take Scrooge from house to house to house, where Scrooge begins to understand just how isolated and alone he's allowed himself to become. The first home that the Spirit takes Scrooge to is the home of his employee, Bob Cratchit. And as he visits the Cratchit family, he learns that Bob and his wife have a child named Tiny Tim. And Tiny Tim is crippled and and sickly. And yet when the time comes for Christmas dinner, even though Scrooge severely underpays Bob Cratchit for all the work he does, Bob proposes a toast to Ebenezer Scrooge who has provided for his family so that they could all live together and experience in community the joy of Christmas. Then the Spirit takes Scrooge to the home of his nephew, the nephew who was born by his uh, beloved sister, and she died in childbirth, and that's part of what made Scrooge so bitter. And he's so bitter, he never wants to see his nephew Fred, because it reminds him of the loss of his beloved sister. But they come to Fred's house, and they're newly married. They don't have any children, but they have lots of friends. And Scrooge sees Fred and how welcoming he is and how hospitable he is and how much he loves celebrating Christmas with other people. And once again, Scrooge is pointed to his own loneliness. And then finally, the spirit of Christmas present takes Scrooge to a place where all the homeless live. And even the homeless are gathered in community. And though they have nothing, they still celebrate the presence of Christ at Christmas. All this happens in just one evening. The spirit of Christmas present was Scrooge for just a short time. And yet in that short time, Scrooge's heart begins to change. When the text before us Jesus, the truest and best spirit of Christmas present, promises another presence that will be with us not just for a night, but for all of our lives and through all eternity as he teaches us about the presence and power and work of the Holy Spirit in us, around us, through us, and among us. So let's all stand out of reverence for God's Word. Follow along as I read John 14, verses 15 to 27. This is God's Word. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. 
In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, an authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it to us because he loves us and he wants to keep reminding us that the very core of his heart is his longing to dwell with his people. Let's pray. Father, some of us struggle to wrap our minds around that, that you created us because you long to dwell with us and walk among us. You long for us to be your people, and you long to be our God. Lord, that is a Christmas gift, if ever there was one. So, Holy Spirit, move among us, convince us of this truth in all of its manifestations. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So, three ways that we can celebrate the spirit of Christmas present. First of all, celebrate the spirit of Christmas present personally. Now, I'm going to begin with with this emphasis on the personal experience of the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to quickly move on to another experience of the Holy Spirit, because this is what most of us in the church tend to think of anyway. We tend to think of the Christian life as me and Jesus. The fact is, the Christian life is way beyond that, but there is a personal, individual element of experiencing the spirit of Christmas present, and that is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 16. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. Now, what's really interesting about the Greek is there's two words for another. One word in the Greek for another is another meaning a completely different kind. What's interesting is there's another word in the Greek that means another of the exact same type. And Jesus uses that Greek word here. In other words, Emmanuel, God with us, is saying, I will ask the Father and he will send you another helper, another of the very same kind and type as me. In other words, God himself, I will dwell in you. 
This is the fulfillment of the promise in this present life. The promise of God, I will dwell among you. I will walk among you. I will be your God. You will be my people. Jesus gives the Holy Spirit so that he might be with us, might dwell with us all through our lives. You know, as Christmas approaches and Jason talked about the shepherd's candle, do you ever find yourself feeling a little envious of the shepherds? I mean, what would have that been like to, to be able to, to see Jesus in the flesh as a babe? This is God incarnate. Be envious no more. They simply saw Jesus, and Jesus was external to them. We, on the other hand, have been given the Spirit, and Emmanuel is within us. We are much more privileged than those shepherds. Look at verse 17. Who is this spirit of Christmas present? It is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. It neither sees him nor knows him. Now what's interesting, if you've read Dickens' novel, A Christmas Carol, when the spirit of Christmas present appears and chuckles and roars with laughter and he appears to Scrooge, he, he lifts his head back in laughter and, and he says to Scrooge, I'm sure you've never seen the likes of me before, nor have you ever known me. It's clear that Dickens is getting the text right here from John 14, 17. And it leads us to something that's very sobering. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then you've never seen the spirit of Christmas present, nor do you know him, nor is he in you. That's sobering. But the good news of the gospel is this. If you would simply acknowledge your need, if you would simply admit your failure, brokenness, and sin, if you would simply acknowledge your helplessness to do anything, to contribute to your own deliverance. If you would simply transfer your trust from building your own record of righteousness and put your hope completely upon the promise of God concerning the finished work of Christ, His obedient life for you, and His substitutionary death to pay the penalty that we could never pay on our own. If you would transfer your trust then the Holy Spirit indwells you. You don't need to tap your head and rub your tummy and turn in a circle to get the Holy Spirit. You don't need to speak in tongues. You don't need to have people pray for you. You don't need to have people lay hands on you. If you trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit from that moment comes to dwell in you. God with you, dwelling in you. Do we ever really realize that promise? The creator, the living God, if you know Christ, indwells you 
and fulfills the promise of God that we've traced all through Scripture. And the Holy Spirit just doesn't indwell you and sit there. The Holy Spirit is constantly at work. The Spirit of Christmas present is always bringing us gifts. What are the gifts that the Spirit of Christmas present that indwells us? What does it give us? Well, Galatians 4. He's the Spirit of adoption who cries out through us, Abba, Father. In other words, it's the role of the Spirit to give us a sense of intimacy with the Father. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit within us witnesses that we, with, witness with, with our spirit that we are children of God. In other words, it's the role of the Holy Spirit to grant us assurance of salvation, that our sins are forgiven, and that our position with God is secure. Romans 5, it's the role of the Holy Spirit to pour out the love of God in our hearts. The Spirit's work is to convince us how much God loves us. And then it says in Acts 1.8 that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's the Spirit's role to convince us that we have a new response ability. We are able, by the presence of Emmanuel, God in us as well as with us, we are capable of saying yes to godliness and no to disobedience. All through this text, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. Now look, that's, that's not performance. He's saying, if you love me, if you trust me, I will ask the Father. He will send the Spirit. And then the Spirit, according to the covenant promise, moves us into the ways of God. This is the way Ezekiel puts it. Ezekiel 36. God says... I will take out your heart of stone, that hard, rebellious heart. God says, I'll remove it, and I will put within you a soft heart, a submissive heart, a surrendered heart. I will place my spirit within you, and I will move you, compel you, motivate you, inspire you. I will cause you to walk in my commands and keep my statutes. Jesus doesn't leave us as orphans. It's not up to us to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps and try hard to be good. God gives us the Spirit. God actually fulfills His own longings by dwelling with us, by dwelling in us. And this is true for every single individual believer in Christ. None of us here has any more Holy Spirit than anybody else here. And there's nothing you can do to gain any more Holy Spirit 
than what Jesus gave you at conversion. We simply trust the promise of the gospel. Now, I said earlier that every Christian experiences this, and Paul, uh, Paul says so much in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have from God? Folks, you may feel incredibly broken. You may feel like a failure at times. And we do fail. But never forget, you're a glorious recreation of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of the living God, the glory of God dwells in you. Remember when, when Moses constructed the tabernacle and when Solomon finished the temple, the glory of God came down and filled the Ark of the Covenant? The glory of God came down and filled the Holy of Holies. And when you were converted, if you've been converted, and if you haven't been, what are you waiting for? Come to Christ. When we're converted, the glory of God rests upon us. Not for a night, like the Spirit of Christmas present and a Christmas carol, but all our days. Now, there's something very interesting about the Spirit of Christmas present in a Christmas carol. I talked about the torch, and the torch sparkles like it's giving off sparks. As the Spirit of Christmas present takes Scrooge around to see the various communities celebrating Jesus with joy, obviously it's real life. There are all kinds of people that are angry, that are resentful, that are bitter, that are depressed, that aren't cheerful that aren't celebratory. And when the spirit of Christmas present meets those people, magic dust comes from the torch and immediately transforms them into forgiving, joyful, gracious, cheerful people. fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's not magic. It's supernatural. And it's meant to be the fruit of the Spirit in every individual Christian's life personally, do you realize the blessing of God upon you to dwell with you and to be in you? Celebrate the spirit of Christmas present personally. Secondly, celebrate the spirit of Christmas present corporately. Okay, so I said that the first point is what most people think of anyway. It's me and Jesus. It's me and the Holy Spirit. Very rarely does the Scripture actually emphasize me and Jesus? There's an element of it. I just gave it to you. But in this text and in much of the New Testament itself, very rarely is Paul or Jesus talking to one person. Matter of fact, in John 14, there's not one singular you. It's always all of y'all. Yuns. 
use guys. It's always talking about the group. Jesus is talking corporately. So the, the ultimate promise of God is not even that God dwells in you personally, individually, though it's true. What Jesus is saying is I will ask the Father and he'll give all y'all together, yuns gathered, the Spirit. See, this, all this is is what I've said over and over and over and over through our ministry here at Oak Mountain. And that is the Christian life is primarily corporate and only peripherally individualistic. Verse 17, he dwells with you, plural. In other words, he dwells among you corporately and will be in you, corporate. He will be among you. Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, do you not know that you, y'all, all y'all, together, are God's temple. See, now in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, you individually, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But that's rare. Most of the time, it says, all y'all together are the temple of the Holy Spirit, particularly when you're gathered together as the people of God. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16, for we are the temple of the living God. Even the promise that we trace through all of the Bible is plural. I will dwell with them, and I will walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So what's the point? The point is the spirit of Christmas present dwells primarily among the people of God gathered corporately. You want to experience the spirit of Christmas present? Be with and among the people of God. Look, I know there's people watching live stream and there's good reasons uh, from time to time where we watch live stream. But the fact is, if you're watching this morning live stream, there is a different promise for those gathered physically as the people of God in the local church. The Spirit of God in each other as we're gathered also has the anointing of the Spirit of God because we're gathered corporately. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 5. When you were gathered together for worship and the Spirit of Jesus is among you, Emmanuel, God with us together. And most of the time when it talks about God's Spirit being in us, it's talking about corporately. Ephesians 2, 21 and 22, for instance. In whom, in Christ, the whole structure, what structure? The living temple of God as the local church. The whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. And you also corporately are being built into a dwelling place by the Spirit of God. There is a unique presence and anointing of God with us 
when we are with one another in Jesus' name. You see, the enemy always wants to isolate. The Spirit of God wants us to congregate. It's, it's like the Spirit of God in each one of us individually is magnetized. And we're drawn to the Holy Spirit in one another. And the more we're gathered together, the more the presence and power and grace of the Spirit is present. And as the Spirit of Christmas present took Scrooge from place to place, he became more and more aware of his loneliness and became more and more aware of his need for community and the power of community. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, do not forsake the assembling together with one another as some are in the habit of doing. They are in the habit of forsaking assembling. Look, the American Christianity has become so individualistic that it's almost powerless. It's amazing how many people's focus is on their individual relationship with Jesus. Now, is that important? Of course it is. What I'm saying is it's become so obsessed over that it has swallowed up this important element of the church gathered corporately to experience the presence and power of God. Celebrate the spirit of Christmas present personally. Yes, there is a place to celebrate that. Celebrate the spirit of Christmas present corporately as well as personally. And then thirdly, celebrate the spirit of Christmas present sacramentally. What we're about to do here in a few moments. Look at verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now let me ask you, what's Jesus talking about? I will not, who's he talking to? The disciples. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. By the way, he's talking to us by extension. But what's he mean? Well, I, I can think of at least four fulfillments of verse 18. First of all, what Jesus is initially talking about is the resurrection. I'm leaving you now. I'm going to go to my suffering and my death. I'm going to be in the grave for three days, but I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you at the resurrection. That's the first fulfillment. Second fulfillment is at Pentecost. Jesus says, wait for the Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you through the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. That's the second fulfillment. The next fulfillment is the Spirit of Christmas yet to come. At the second coming, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you and bring you to where I am. In my Father's house are many places. I will come and bring you there. That's the third fulfillment. But there's one last fulfillment of John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And that's during the sacrament of communion. Here again, something that has been lost on so many Christians in our day. Emmanuel, God dwells with us at this table. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul explains the table in a profound 
mysterious way. Listen to what he says. The cup that we bless, the cup of the fruit of the vine at the Lord's table, the cup that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Do you hear that? It's not, it's not a symbol. It's an actual spiritual participation in the very blood of Christ. He goes on to say, the bread that we break, the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? It's not a symbol. It's participating in the benefits of Christ's broken body. That word participation is the word for fellowship. When we drink of the cup, we are fellowshipping with Jesus. When we eat of the bread, we are fellowshipping, we're participating in the benefits of Christ's work. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 18, consider Israel, Old Testament church. Are not those who eat the sacrifices, the priests, same word, participants in the altar? What happened with the sacrifice? God was the one who received the sacrifice. And yet the priests were nourished by eating the sacrifices that were offered to God. They participated in the altar. And Paul says that as we come to this table, we participate in the blood of Christ and its benefits. We participate in the body of Christ and its benefits. We participate in Emmanuel, God with us. One last interesting factoid about the spirit of Christmas present. When he appears to Scrooge, not only is he dressed in green and a holly on his head and a torch, but he's surrounded by abundance. Turkeys, geese, not alive, prepared for Christmas dinner. Puddings, vegetables, soups, the extravagance of a feast, showing the bounty of all that we're given in Christ. But the other thing about coming to the table and participating in the benefits of Christ really and truly, but spiritually, is it's a foretaste of the spirit of Christmas yet to come. This is a foretaste of the wedding feast of the Lamb where there'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. And Jesus wants to meet us in our brokenness and pain through the spirit of Christmas present as we wait for and anticipate that final supper. The night on which Christ was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Then after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the covenant in my blood. Again, we know now what covenant he's talking about, right? I will walk among you. I will dwell with you. You will be my people. I will be your God. 
I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my commandments and keep my statutes. That's the covenant that Jesus is talking about. God with us forever. This table is not Oak Mountain's table. This is the table of the Lord. And it's for anyone who would name Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, who would acknowledge their continual helplessness, that we are no more able to change ourselves than we are able to save ourselves. And as you come repentant and trusting God's promises, this table's for you. Let's pray. God, we understand that these elements remain bread and the fruit of the vine. They're not magically changed into something else. Yet we also acknowledge that you promise us that the cup that we bless is a participation in the benefits of the blood of Jesus. And the bread that we break is a participation in the benefits of the broken body of Jesus. And that as we come here, like the Old Testament priests, we participate in this altar. And so, Jesus, send forth your Spirit in a gracious way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.